0: Welcome to Holding Down the Fort, an award-winning podcast show dedicated to curating knowledge, resources, and relevant stories for today's military spouses so they can continue to make confident and informed decisions for themselves and their families. Because let's face it, we know who's really holding down the fort. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and your host for Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Let's get started. back to another episode of the award-winning podcast, "Holding Down the Forts. I am your co-host, Jen Amos, veteran spouse and gold star daughter. And as always, I have my co-host with me, who is also the military spouse, active duty, mother of two, and mental health advocate, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, thanks
1: for having me. Glad to be here today.
0: Yes. And can I share the exciting announcement of what you and your family is up to?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. We are it's sort of semi-official.
0: semi official? So yes, I'm really excited because Jenny Lynn and I haven't met in person yet. We've done all of this via Zoom. I'm sure many people understand that and spouses in particular can understand that having friends all over. But Jenny Lynn and Matthew are PCSing over to Virginia. So we are excited. I'm excited to just meet. I don't know when that'll happen. Of course, I don't know (laughs) if you guys have any like hard dates yet, but I know it's going to happen. And I very much am looking forward to meeting you in person, practicing social distancing. Of course, we'll probably wear masks when we first meet each other if it gets to that point. But anyway, really excited because today we have Virginia representing today. (laughs) So I want to go ahead and introduce you all to some of the incredible guests we have here today. So at the Hoffheimer Family Law Firm, we have attorney at law, Lorna Rhodes, as well as other attorney at law, Katie Carter. So Lorna and Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. We're excited. Yeah. I know that we have talked extensively about, you know, kind of coordinating this conversation today. I personally think it's a delicate conversation. So I'm very glad that we have, you know, kind of gone back via email and talking on zoom to get into this, but let's go ahead and start with Lorna. In addition to you being an attorney at law, you are now a veteran spouse. You and your husband just recently transitioned out. And so tell us what that transition briefly has been like for you to, you know, go from being a military spouse for so long to now being a civilian.
2: Yes, my husband retired in May of 2020 and I would say it gave me a very firsthand experience of being uninformed. So my husband spent probably about a month in classes where he learned about how to transition, where he learned about his healthcare benefits, where he learned about his retirement benefits. He learned how to find a job. He got a mentor. He was counseled for his VA benefits. He received all of this probably, you know, I don't know, probably a hundred hours of counseling. And as his spouse, I got nothing. Uh, So I was really relying on him to share the information with me that directly would impact my life and my children's lives. So he had to tell me about TRICARE, the options for retiree families he had to tell me about you know, his retirement and what rights I had as his spouse to receive a retirement benefit if he were to pass. He was explaining to me all about the VA benefits and what I might get and what our kids might get. So, And I had practiced in family law, so I knew the right questions to ask of him. And I knew where to get the information, but it wasn't given to me. And I wasn't invited really to participate in all of those classes that he received. I think I was allowed to go to one day of his TAPS class, which just had to do with the day where they talked about health insurance. But the rest of the two-week class was just for him. And there was no class that I was aware of that were for families that were transitioning out. So it gave me firsthand experience to you know, really empathize with my clients who are, unfortunately, they've had a breakdown in their relationship with their spouse. So our clients who are, not the service member, they're really at a disadvantage because when you don't have a good relationship or communication with your service member spouse or veteran service member spouse, it's much harder to get the information that you need. And I think that's where our law firm and Katie can speak to this, that's where we come in because we're there to help people who need this information in order to be financially protected as well as to protect their children and their future going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely, Katie.
3: Anything you wanted to add to that? Well, yeah, I think it's one thing to look at these situations when you're talking about a happy marriage, and you know, in Lauren's situation, her husband was happy to share this information. Right, their productive marriage, they've got great kids, they're doing, you know, everything's fine. But it's totally different in a situation where you can't really trust your husband, mm-hmm. and a big part of it is knowing what you don't know, and where to ask the questions. And a lot of that is kind of where we come in. Our firm, our website is hofflaw.com, and we offer a a free military divorce book for active duty female military service members or spouses. And it can kind of clue people into a lot of the questions that they should be asking. But we were just hoping today, too, to kind of explain some of the issues, some of the things we see pop up and the, the places where There's misinformation or just a lack of information and where women sometimes get tripped up.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to know from Lorna and maybe even Jenny Lynn, if you want to chime into this, just what is it about military spouses that they're not given enough information? You know, they're given secondhand information if they're lucky. And, you know, Lorna, you, you especially mentioned that in transitioning out of the military. It's like you were fortunate to know that you had to ask the right questions, but why did it have to get to that point anyway to begin with? That's a good question. I wonder if it's a reflection on the culture
2: mm-hmm. of Perry, finances. I mean, I think it's the service member's career. It's his money. But I wish there were more resources for families in the transition period. I don't know if that's something that is military spouses are working on. That's an area where there's a lot of advocacy for it. But I could definitely see there being a need for it. And even if it's just general information and not particular to your individual spouse, you know, maybe it's not, you know, this is how much he's going to get in retirement specifically, or these are his disabilities that he's applying for, but just general information for families, because you're moving potentially, you're getting out of your career and dealing with that stress. It's just not on the service member. It's the whole family that is suffering under that stressful situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jenny Lynn, thought I'd get your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that what happens at the end of military service is very indicative of what happens kind of throughout because as spouses, everything is volunteer. Like we are not required to show up for anything. And without a requirement there, you're left at the hands of you don't know what you don't know. And so Mm -hmm. if you're not voluntarily showing up to things and learning the information, you're not going to have that information and you are reliant upon your service member to relay the information for you. I mean, my husband's been in 14 years now and I am very fortunate that he is a good relayer of information, but have seen the effects of not so hot relaying of information in my fellow military spouses. And so, you know, to think that you're going to get to transition and know what to do when you haven't known all along is I think it's just indicative of kind of the culture because there is we are civilians. At the end of the day, we're civilians and there is no DOD requirement for us to learn anything about the DOD and what they what they want, you know, for our service member and how we're supposed to act with that. So, you know, there are a lot of organizations that have tried to come alongside that. But at this point, they're organizations with good heart, but they are not, again, not mandatory. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So the
2: is there I think for you. You may not be able to get the nitty-gritty of your spouse's particular situation, but there are standards that for example the pension, you can pretty much estimate without seeing the retiree account statement. You can pretty much know what you're going to receive. If you're in a situation where your service member spouse is not communicating information to you and you're struggling to get that information, you're going to probably want to know where to go to get the answers that you need. To know financially where your family will stand in that current moment and going forward, and also to know about maybe issues affecting your health care and your kids, um, custody and visitation. In the event that there's a breakdown in the relationship. So that's where we have a lot of information and knowledge. And Katie might be able to speak to whether there's mistakes she sees people make when they first think about
0: what attorney can help them in this type of situation. Yeah, perfect. Well, yeah. Let's go ahead and transition into what you two do. I know that we already like kind of jumped into a a big hot topic in regards to uh, military spouses and really lacking a lot of information or receiving misinformation. And so, Katie, let us know what does the Hofheimer Family Law Firm do.
3: We are a family law firm that represents women exclusively in family law cases. So that includes divorce, custody, and support. So both child support and spousal support. We don't represent military wives exclusively, but we do just because we're located, our, our main office is in Virginia Beach, but we also have offices in Chesapeake and Newport News. So we see a lot of military families and that has just sort of meant that, you know, we kind of get, you know, trial by fire. You see so many of them, you, you pick up all these things and you start to see general areas where, Military spouses aren't really as well-informed as Mm -hmm. civilian spouses might be in similar situations. To give an example, just to jump into something kind of substantive, I would say that I often see women come in and tell me or talk to me. We do monthly divorce seminars. They'll, They'll say something to me that they have been to the JAG attorney or they're gonna go to military legal, that they're gonna get advice that way. And I I always tell them that although I have seen JAG attorneys do things like draft separation agreements, they're really not supposed to. A JAG attorney or someone on military legal is a military attorney. They're not necessarily licensed in Virginia. They theoretically could be licensed in in Virginia in the sense that if this was their state of origin where they passed the bar and then they were also coincidentally stationed here, it's possible. But even so, as a military lawyer, they can't practice in courts in the Commonwealth. They can't take your divorce case and just represent you. That's not what they do. I have seen them draft some agreements, mostly disastrously. So, so I would just say that if you feel like you've just got to go there and talk to somebody, you know, talk to them, but also verify. Talk to a licensed Virginia attorney, talk to someone who practices family law exclusively, talk to someone who could actually take your case in front of a judge if that's what has to happen, and at least verify that the information that you're getting is good. Don't sign anything. Never sign anything without having it reviewed by an attorney. You don't have to hire someone. You don't have to pay a big retainer just to have somebody look at your document before you sign it. Because once you sign, it's all done. So what you didn't know, what you wish you would have known, what you didn't understand, it doesn't matter anymore. So take the time up front to get that information from someone who would know and don't just trust someone, especially someone like a JAG attorney who, although they're very smart and have very many wonderful qualifications, is just not a family law attorney in Virginia.
1: I think that's great advice. I think that sometimes on the military spouse side, we think that because there are JAGs available, that they're available to us and for us. And really, their job is military law. Their job is not family law. They're not intended to be, you know, your separation mediator or anything like that. They're there to enforce things for whatever service they're working for. So, I mean, I think Katie gave great, great counsel on find somebody else that actually does what you're looking for. Don't rely on what's provided on base. No one can see my air quotes. I just realized (laughs) that.
0: Just so everyone knows, Jenny Lynn had some air quotes. Awesome. Lorna, I just wanted to see if there's anything else you wanted to add as well, in addition to what Katie shared.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say that when there's a breakdown in a relationship where one of the spouse is in the military, you have maybe heard that you can speak to The command and get a support order from the command, or you may have heard that there are things that can be forced upon the service member to do versus uh, seeking relief in a civilian court. And I think that there is a bit of misconception there in that the military, in my experience, they want to not deal with family matters. They want to stay out of it and they will defer to a civilian court if the civilian court is handling any of the issues relating to your the breakdown in the relationship. So if there's an issue about custody or visitation, if there's an issue that your service member spouse is not supporting you, I would definitely approach your problem first through a traditional attorney and go through the traditional family court system because in my experience, you don't get the type of relief that you may think you may get from your spouse's command. Um, If there's abuse, which sometimes happens, unfortunately, in military families, service members, you know, they're on deployments, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of PTSD, the family members are suffering if, if there's been a deployment, it's just a very hard life. So there family advocacy program that I think most bases have, and they're there in conjunction with victim advocates if there's domestic abuse. So definitely, you know, if you're in a situation or if you know somebody who's suffering from domestic violence. Pursue again the traditional family court route, but there is a military route available through the Family Advocacy Program. And that I've seen is a little bit more successful, I think, in getting help for spouses versus just going straight to a commanding officer and complaining about your spouse. But in general, the military is going to want you to handle your issues through the court system. There are guidelines that exist for service members to support their children and their spouses. And I think that is a good thing, but it's really designed only to apply when there is no court order. And you may not get it. It's really only applicable to enlisted members. Officers aren't bound by these guidelines. And it really just depends on the relationship that the service member has with the commanding officer. If there's a good buddy-buddy relationship, the commanding officer is probably going to protect the service member. You know, it's case by case. Different. really caution people before they just go directly to the command and try and get their spouse in trouble or to try and get relief from there. I mean, in general, the better course of action is to hire an attorney in your jurisdiction and go
0: get relief from the court system. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think in general, what I'm gathering is that what's provided in the military is more in favor of the service member than it is of the spouse because it's the service member that's working for the military. You know, when I relate that to, let's say corporate America, you know, if you're working for a company, the benefits go to you. Doesn't doesn't always translate over to the spouse if they're married. Of course, there's like health benefits and stuff like that, if you're married and stuff like that. But that's what I'm gathering is like, you know, just being aware that what is provided in the military does tend to favor the service member more because they're the one serving, even though we all know here that military spouse is also serving, but not in the way that the service member is, right? (laughs) So that's what I was gathering when you were talking.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think the military has developed a little bit to, you know, in terms of programs to to protect families when there's domestic violence or sexual assault. I know that those are kind of hot topics and there's some... Frameworks in the military to prevent that from happening and to address it if it does. So, I do encourage you know, if you are somebody or know somebody who's experienced domestic violence, you know, that is a place where you can reach out to a family advocacy office on base and they can help you. But as far as everything else goes, in terms of the finances and things like that, I think you're better off going through the traditional
0: court route rather than trying to go through the command to get support. Yeah. Thank you, Lorna, so much for sharing that. And I really like this theme that we're having in our conversation about providing the right information and where to go for military spouses. Is there other information that you feel is important, you know, for military spouses to know?
3: Yeah. Well, I really just had one more point, which was just that the military tenure myth, I want to address that. I keep Mm -hmm. hearing, I heard it a lot, you know, I've been practicing here for almost a decade now. And in the beginning, I used to hear it a lot. The tenure myth is If I haven't been married to my husband for 10 years, I'm not entitled to any portion of his military pension. And that is just absolutely not true. I heard it again just about two weeks ago, and I feel like I've done everything I can to dispel this myth, and I am personally offended that it still persists. Mm -hmm. But that is absolutely 100% not true. You start earning an interest in your husband's military retirement on the day that you get married. So to the extent that your marriage overlaps with his active duty military service, you are earning an interest in his retirement. You earn 50% of what is earned during the course of the marriage. So, I mean, that's something that continues to accumulate for as long as you stay married and as long as he's on active duty in the military. So those two things have to overlap. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, of course, that you're going to get a 50% total benefit to his pension, but you receive 50% of what was earned during the course of the marriage. If you were to, you know, be married for one year of his 20-year career, of course, your portion is going to be very, very small, right? As opposed to if you were married for the full 20 years and those 20 years overlap, then you're a 20-20-20 spouse, then you receive 50% of the pension. But the important thing to keep in mind is that if he's telling you, if you're hearing from him or from someone else, that you're not entitled to this just because you haven't been married for 10 years. That's not true. The only thing that really matters as far as 10 years less or more of marriage is whether you qualify to receive your portion of the pension paid to you directly from DFAS or whether he's going to get it from DFAS and then he has to turn around and pay you your portion. Technically, if you're married less than 10 years, DFAS doesn't really handle it. But it really doesn't make a difference. Once you're divorced, it's an order for the court. It's enforceable. So if he's monkeying around with your money, if he's paying you late, if he's not paying you at all, then you can show cause him and you can force him to pay that money to you. So regardless of how long you've been married, you have an interest in that pension no matter what he's telling you.
0: Hey everyone, Jen Amos here. Just taking a quick break To let you know that this episode of Holding Down the Fort is brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth, which is the company that I'm so fortunate to run with my husband and business partner, Scott R. Tucker. At U.S. Vet Wealth, we provide bold financial education and flexible financial solutions for our career military families. To get a better understanding by what we mean when we say bold financial education and flexible financial solutions, consider checking out my husband's book, Veteran Wealth Secrets. In fact, you can actually download the first three chapters of Veteran Wealth Secrets for free by visiting VeteranWealthSecrets.com. Thanks to one of our Amazon customers, here's a five-star review just to give you an idea of what this book is about. Veteran Wealth Secrets provides a perspective that I do not believe I'll ever encounter elsewhere in my own transition. Scott's done a fantastic job of making me rethink what my post-military life has to look like. If you are transitioning in the next few years, you should read this book. I doubt you'll find the viewpoint he provides elsewhere. So thank you to one of our verified customers for actually purchasing this book on Amazon. Once again, you can download the first three chapters of the book at VeteranWealthSecrets.com com to see if you like our philosophies and if our company is the right company for you to talk about your money. So something else to note about the book, my husband brings to the forefront of his discussion in the book what the military and most veteran financial advisors usually gloss over as they focus on military retirement plans, which is this, the moment that you leave the military is the biggest opportunity of your lifetime and you're going to need money for it. I like sharing this resource on our show because it's really not just for veterans and it's not just for our service members, but really for military spouses who manage the personal finances of the family. So once again, you can download the first three chapters of Veteran Wealth Secrets today by visiting VeteranWealthSecrets.com. All right, let's get back into the episode. Jenny Lynn, you've definitely passed that myth of a threshold. Any thoughts on that? (laughs) Have you heard heard about that?
1: Yes. I don't know that I heard about it referred to as a 10-year-old, but there's always myths circulating about how long for this and how long for that and what am I actually entitled to and what happens if I get remarried. I mean, there's all kinds of things that circle around. So it's great to hear like the cold, hard truth is like, one, you're entitled to it. Two, ask the questions and, you know, take action on, on the answers you find. Because yeah, that information seems to be more myth than... Than true. Like nobody hands you a paper when you get married and goes, Well, here's what you get if <laughs> yeah. you know, if this doesn't work out, like thanks for signing on the dotted line here. Here's what you get if you stay married. Here's what you get if you don't. Um, that's a prenup. Know, so.
3: Be careful about those too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there's if the DOD doesn't hand those yeah. out though, so that yeah. you know like what you're getting when you sign up to marry someone in the military. So it's great to hear like real, honest answers for that and good sources of information to figure that out if and when you find yourself in that position because unfortunately more than 50 percent of us do
3: yeah yeah well and the point is just to ask the questions and get the answers so that you can put yourself and your children in as good a position as possible whether it doesn't matter what the question is it matters that you're able to find someone who is qualified in your state who can tell you what you're entitled to and who can help you create a plan to get you from where you are now to where you want to be, which is, you know, happily divorced and financially independent and in a position to take care of yourself and your children. And you really can't do that without asking the questions, without getting the information. And that doesn't come from relying on You know, what other people have told you, it comes from going out and getting the information independently from trusted, verifiable sources. So, in the case of a divorce, from a licensed attorney in the state where you and your husband are living and keep saying in Virginia, because that's where I am. But this is pretty universally applicable stuff. If you're in Texas, talk to somebody in Texas. If you're in California, talk to somebody in California and just get the information as it relates to your situation. Ask those questions and take care of yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you.
0: Mm, that's like real talk right there. Um, <laughs> you any, anything you, <laughs> you want to add to that?
3: No,
2: I think Katie said it really well. And I think if there's been a breakdown and especially if there's children involved and if the service member is going to be in the service for a number of years going forward, I think it's also important to be aware that these issues may continue for a long time for you and you may end up having to deal with multiple states if you're in that situation. So one example would be if there's children and your military former spouse now relocates due to PCS orders, you as the former spouse with a child have to go with him or or what happens to the kids with the custody and visitation situation, you know, and it's on a case by case basis, but, you know, the court is going to make decisions, not the military. And that's something that you need to be aware of. So just because he's PCS is due to military orders, doesn't mean that he's going to get to bring the kids with him. In the case of a male service member or dad. Now, if you're still married and you're trying to get divorced, one situation would be well, if you're on his PCS orders, do you have to go? No, you have to follow whatever court order you have in the state that you are in. And if you end up moving with the children to another state at some point, then that state may have to make decisions about custody and visitation of your kids. So, There's a lot of laws out there that direct the courts and attorneys on how to handle these issues when there's relocation. And it's no different for military people. It doesn't matter that they're ordered by the government to go. The court is still going to look at it under the laws of the state and under these national laws that all the states have adopted. So... Yeah. Just keep that in mind that it's going to maybe be a long process. And with relocations in the military being pretty common, it may be more of a struggle because you for sure are going to have a relocation issue probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for sharing all that. It's definitely a lot, and I just want to ask because one thing I know that you both have in common, Katie and Lorna, is that is your love for family law. So, Katie and Lorna, one thing that I learned about both of you, and, and reading about you and getting to know you, is that you both have this love for family law. So, everything we share today was really in favor for the spouses and the families. Tell us where does that motivation come from for both of you? And Katie, you're nodding a lot, so I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with you and where that comes from. For me, it's Kind of a personal
3: mission. I mean, aside from, I mean, I'm, I'm a wife and a mother of two young children too. But when I was really young, an uncle of mine married a woman <laughs> who was awful. And at the Aww. time when I was a little kid, I thought, you know, I'd go to law school because all obnoxious 10 year olds should be lawyers. Right. So I was going to go to law school and I was going to get them divorced. And it was, it was I love so, it it was so, of course, I would not touch that now, of course, but just seeing how awful it can be to be trapped in a bad marriage. You know, my mom always said, you know, you have to be so careful who you marry because they shape you and your family and not just the two of you, but your extended family and and it impacts everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and then I went on to be in an abusive relationship when I was in law school because I didn't learn. And it just, it you know, just my bad relationship and my, my uncle's marriage really just gave me a heart for this kind of work. I really, I, and then I got involved helping women, and I have seen all the ways that um, they're really disadvantaged in the court system and all the things that you know people really need to know to protect themselves. And it's just it fires me up, and I just want to help a lot of people get through you know some of these these terrible situations so that they can create the future for themselves and their children that they've envisioned. It's hard work. It's emotional work. But Mm -hmm. it's really, really important work and ultimately very empowering Mm
0: -hmm. because the
3: woman that you see in your office on that first day who cries through the initial consultation is not the same woman that you see at the end of the day when you get that divorce decree entered. Wow. And you really go through it for that transformation and that strengthening process and and giving her the tools that she needs to succeed, you know, in the later part of her life. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I've just really found a lot of purpose in it. And I really enjoy the work.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing, sharing that, Katie. Oh, I just yeah. touched my heart there. Uh, <laughs>
3: <Laura>. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a loaded question because there is so much. Inside each of us, I think, in whatever career path we choose. But echo everything that Katie said. I think that not everyone can do family law. It's emotionally draining. You're dealing with messy issues, and a lot of attorneys don't like to do it. They'd rather handle the cut and dry, more boring sort of money issues, tax issues, business issues. But I found for me, ever since I was younger, that. If I wanted to do anything with my life, I wanted it to affect people in their lives in a very concrete way. My parents had to hire an attorney when I was younger to help them adopt my siblings from the foster care system. Mm -hmm. And it was a very long court case that lasted like five years. And I was a teenager at the time. And I saw how this The whole system was not working. It wasn't helping the children who needed help, my siblings. And it was really because this one attorney stepped in and did his job, really, and knew the law that my siblings were able to get adopted and they were freed from being in foster care and subject to abuse by their biological family. So I think that if you have a heart for it, if you like families, if you want to help families, you know families are broken. They're, I mean, every family is imperfect. And when you're going through a divorce or have an issue with custody or support, it doesn't have to be terrible. You need an advocate. You need somebody to help advocate for you and be on your side. And I find it very
0: fulfilling in that regard. Well, thank you both so much for being here. Jenny, Lynn, just thought, wanted to check in with you, see if you had any thoughts.
1: I just really want to say thank you for continuing to use the language breakdown of a marriage. I noticed that both of you used it often, and I just think that that is so empowering to take such a sad thing and turn it around and not make it sound like a failure. You know, I work in mental health advocacy, and there's been a lot of change in language on how we talk about things in that way so that it doesn't sound like it is a failure of someone to have a mental health issue or things like that. And so I just wanted to say, I really appreciate the way that you have spoken with us today about talking about the end of a marriage and how you take care of it because it was a breakdown.
3: I think that's a woman centered thing, right? We see that a lot. Women get their sense of worth from their relationships and when their marriages fall apart, it's difficult. They blame themselves that we see a lot of, you know, anxiety and depression and things like that. And we always tell our clients that the divorce process is going to be better. It's going to be easier if you talk to a mental health provider, someone who can help get you through this. The courts are really good about that sort of thing too. So if you're worried about custody, if you're worried about the impact of, you know, a diagnosis on your case, don't be, you know, get the help that you need, deal with the feelings of loss that you're experiencing. It's all, it's very real, very natural. It's part of the process. You should deal with it healthfully and work through it. But ultimately, you know, have the faith that if you ask the questions, if you get the answers, if you take the steps, you'll protect yourself and protect your
0: children and everything will be okay. Well, I love how we can end this conversation on a hopeful note. <laughs> I really appreciate this conversation because it's really about empowering the military spouse and family members. That's really what this show is about. Holding down the fort is putting our families front and center, reminding them that they matter and that there are resources for them today that they can run with and continue to feel confident in their decisions and how they hold down the fort shameless plug right there. So as we wrap up here, I know that for the Hoffheimer family law firm, you have a free guide. If the spouse is looking in this direction or looking to at least get more informed called the Virginia military wives guide to divorce, who would like to elaborate on what that book is about? Yeah, I'll go ahead, I go,
3: I've, I've worked a lot with the books. We have two divorce books, a regular, a civilian divorce book and a military divorce book. So you don't really need both, we get that question a lot, like, you know, I'm getting divorced, but which book do I get? We cover all of the general divorce information in the military divorce book, But we also give you specific information about your rights as it relates to the military. So the military retirement, the TSP, the survivor benefit, all of those kinds of things that you need to know, BAH, calculating child support, how relocation and things are handled in military situations. So it's a pretty good, comprehensive, and free guide that can help you as you kind of figure out what your next steps should be. I think one of the problems that I see is people don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to go into a new topic and know exactly what questions to ask. You're like, I have so many, but like which ones and what do I ask and what are the words? And this will help give you a better understanding of Virginia law. This is of course, Virginia specific, but you know, how it all works and exactly what questions you should be asking. Even if you're not in Virginia, I think it's a really helpful resource to just kind of flag the issues and help you you know, get conversant with the vocabulary so that you're able to have a conversation and, and ask the questions you need to ask. But it's a pretty thorough guide to how military divorce in Virginia works. We also have a custody guide as well. That's a separate book that you can also request. So if you have minor children in question, that can help give you a little bit more guidance about how the custody procedures work as well. So I would definitely encourage you to download both of them. If you live in our immediate area, we can send a hard copy to you. But regardless, you'll get downloadable ebook version and you can print it up. You can write all over it, you know, ask your, you know, get ready to ask your questions. It's a really great resource. So I definitely encourage you to get
0: it. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. And of course, that website is hofflaw.com, H O F L A W.com. I mean, I know that was the main thing you wanted to share in regards to how people can get a hold of you, but any other ways that you want to share where people can find you online?
3: We're really just on the one website, hofflaw.com, but there's a ton of of resources available there. We Mm -hmm. have a monthly divorce seminar that we do as well. Because of the pandemic, we're doing those all by Zoom now, but it's a chance to to see us live and in person, you know, yeah, as in person as we can be on a computer screen to ask live questions. So if you have questions that spilled over from your reading of the book that you wanted to get more information on, you can attend the seminar and ask that way. We also have a pretty comprehensive library of resources. So blog articles, frequently asked questions and things like that. So if there's a particular topic or something you wanted to know more about how to file for divorce, you know, what a divorce complaint looks like, what's a corroborating witness, you know, whatever your questions are, you You can type them in our little search bar and get tons of information. We're, of course, we're not the only attorneys in our firm. There's six of us, and we've got three different offices in the Hampton Roads area. So if you're looking for someone, feel free to read through our bios. We're all a little bit different. We all have slightly different backgrounds so you may find that someone you know resonates with you a little bit better. but you know there's no obligation if you just want information, you can come talk to a lawyer. We're not going to push you towards divorce. We're not going to counsel you to end your marriage.' We're going to listen and give you information based on your specific set of circumstances and try and help you figure out a solution. Ultimately, though, the final decision is yours and will never push you towards a divorce. It's not a question of opening Pandora's box and, you know, not being able to, you know, put those things back away again. It doesn't set any chain of events into motion into motion. It just gets you the answers to the questions that you need answered.
0: Thank you both for just approaching such a sensitive topic and many, I feel like we covered a lot of topics today, but, you know, mainly around family law and the families, just really approaching it in such a delicate, compassionate way. You know, thank you for doing the emotional work. I don't know what you guys do outside of working to come back into the office, but I applaud you both for the amazing work that you both are doing. Yeah. Lorna, I need closing thoughts from you. I
2: would say, you know, rely on your military community for emotional support. You know, if you have some of these questions, I'm sure somebody else does too. If you're going through something hard, I'm sure somebody else is going through something hard too. And I'm a big believer in sharing your vulnerability with the right people. That's how I survive. You know, for my tribe and my community. So, thanks for doing this podcast. I think that's part of that. And yeah, it will all be okay if you know somebody in this type of situation or if you're going through it
0: yourself. Wonderful. Wow. Well, thank you all. Well, thank you both again for being on our show. And of course, Jenny Lynn for co hosting with me. We hope that today's episode gave you one more piece of knowledge, resource, or relevant story so you can continue to make confident and informed decisions for you and your family. We look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.